This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. All right, it's time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Morning, Keith. Good morning. So let's start with the BC housing bombshell report, the continuing fallout here, the conflict of interest allegations against the CEO over there. His wife was the CEO of a housing society, getting millions of dollars in, in contracts. So this continues to blow up on well, the government it's here. It's interesting. There's a bit of a, well, a standoff now, a bit of brinkmanship. Altira, the company, refusing to make any personnel changes, firing anyone. Uh, the government clearly wants the CEO, um, the, the wife of Janice Abbott, who was married to Shane Ramsey, uh, to be fired. Um, right. The board is saying, no, there was an extraordinary letter written by the chair of Atira to the chair of BC Housing. So BC, Alan Sackle, the chair of BC Housing, wrote to, the, to Atira saying, uh, we want some personnel changes. We want this. We want that. We want to inspect the buildings. Oh, by the way, we want the $1.9 million back that we gave you, that you owe us. And the chair of Atira wrote this extraordinary letter back saying, basically, get lost. We're not doing anything. We're not, we, we did nothing wrong. We're not firing anybody. You know, we're not doing it. And by the way, we're not giving the money back, at least not right now. So it's an wow. extraordinary standoff between the biggest client of BC Housing yeah. and BC Housing. It's, yeah. it's, it's, and then further adding, weirdness to this. Uh, Francis Buell in the Globe Mail today reports that the wife of EC Forest Minister Bruce Ralston is on the board of Atira. Oh. So this further um, spices things up. It's it's quite an extraordinary situation. Oh man. Okay, this all blew up in question period in the legislature mm-hmm. yesterday. So let's listen to a couple of highlights here. Here's Kevin Falcon, leader of the BC United, leader of the opposition in the House. Let's have a listen. Nothing to see here, folks. That's the message that the Premier and the NDP have been giving the public. And we know now that that was not true. It is a damning pattern of evasion and misleading and not being straight up with the public. And you owe a duty to the public to stand up right now and come clean about the fact. All right, Kevin Falcon in the legislature yesterday. Well, I was interesting, uh, our colleague Richard Zussman reported last night, he got his hands on a document dated uh, 2014 under the BC Liberal Watch, which flagged the conflict that was already there. Oh, So this was allowed to fester for a number of years uh, over two governments. I think there's a lot of people uh, who have dirty hands here. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's, it's interesting, you know, David Eby's housing minister, when all, some of this was unfolding, yeah. but also the Liberals were in charge of housing when some of this was unfolding as well. So Rich Coleman used to be the housing minister. Um, Altera has been um, flagged as a conflict problem for almost 10 years now. Okay, so the Liberals really trying to stick it to EB on this file. Understandably. As, yeah, sure. If he was the housing minister, as you mentioned, through a lot of it. But the NDP trying to portray it as, no, hang on a second. EB is the guy who's cleaning up this mess here. He's mm-hmm. the guy who knew there was something going wrong, and he, and he took action. So here's Ravi Kalon here in the legislature yesterday, the housing minister. Let's listen. I can assure the members of this House and the public that when the Premier saw something inappropriate, he took action, Honourable Speaker, just like he did with the, just like he did with money laundering, just like he did with ICBC, just like he did with BC's Lottery Corporation, Honourable Speaker. 
Okay, so he's saying he's a man of action. That's he's cleaning what, up this That's man. exactly what the government's trying to portray him as, as a man of action. He, yeah. You know, he certainly, you know, kudos on the ICBC front. Certainly cleaned that up. But I think it's less of a credible argument when it comes to housing because he was the housing minister for a longest period of time when a lot of these problems were were hiding in plain sight. Like yeah. I say, this was flagged by the ministry back in 2014 wow. and it was just allowed to continue. And I think it's here. It sort of has the government over the barrel here because wow. they do provide a much needed service. I mean, this housing is needed. It's if, the biggest housing provider, isn't it, yeah, that they contract the biggest with? Client yeah, by yeah far. the biggest client. Yeah. Um, if they disappear, and right now their funds have been frozen in terms of any new projects, but who wow. fills the gap if they disappear? Okay, let's uh, talk a little politics south of the border here, okay? Oh, Donald I'm Trump. I'm guessing Trump, yeah. Okay, yeah, the former president here, uh, rung up in a civil a civil case here, a jury in this trial here, found that he sexually abused a magazine columnist in a New York department store in the 1990s. Five million dollars he's been ordered to pay in damages here. Now, this will be, uh, be appealed, of course. Well, this... The fact that he's still considered a serious contender for the nomination of the Republican Party tells you everything you need to know about the Republican Party and the political process down there. Because he once said when he was, I think before he became president, when he's still running, that he could go out and shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and it wouldn't matter. And, still, and they'd still vote for him. They'd still vote for yeah. him. Yeah. I mean, he would brag about that. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, his supporters, he can do no wrong. But. The fact that someone who's found to be guilty of sexual abuse of a woman can still be considered a serious contender for the presidency, it's it's That's the situation we have. Let's listen to the uh, the New York Advice columnist here who brought this allegation against Trump, this E. Jean Carroll. Here she is making the allegation against Trump. Let's listen. He shut the door and pushed me up against the wall and bang, bang my head on the wall. And kiss me. I just, it was so shocking. He put his shoulder against me to hold me against the wall. Okay, so then, then she sued him. Now listen to this extraordinary exchange. You know, this is Trump being deposed by her lawyer, mm-hmm. okay? And they bring up the, the famous Access Hollywood tape where Trump is overheard basically bragging about how he sexually assaults women. Mm-hmm. And at one point notoriously talks about how he grabs them by the, by the P word, yeah. okay? And they play this for Trump, and then the lawyer asks Trump about these comments that he made, that if you're a star, you can just go up and sexually assault women. And listen to what Trump says here. This is quite extraordinary. Let's listen. When you're a star, they let you do it. You can do anything. Grab them by the You can do anything. That's what you said, correct? Well, historically, that's true with stars. It's true with stars that, that they can grab women by the Well, that's what it's... If you look over the last million years, I guess that's been... Largely true, not always, but largely true. Unfortunately, or fortunately. This, Again, this un- guy's for, be- he says unfortunately or fortunately. He says there, I uh, couldn't yeah, believe it. It's no, he's uh, unlike anything we've ever seen before. But unfortunately, it's true. There are people who he can do no wrong. Yeah. And they'll back him one hundred percent because he's against the establishment. He's against the man. He's against the the. Um, the rule, and it's, uh, I don't think he's going to get the nomination, but don't count him out. Well, I guess you can never count the guy out now after everything that's happened, but, I mean, this is just the latest, right? But would the Republicans still really make this guy their nominee for well, president? Well, you know, Ron DeSantis down in Florida still, you know, is having trouble making his case that he's the alternative. Yeah, uh, that's true. You know, it, he keeps stumbling around, yeah. and Trump uh, is not going away. So, again, uh, his 
his claim that he could shoot someone and wouldn't hurt him? Yeah. Who knows down there? Yeah. I mean, it's a broken, it's a divided and broken country. And uh, the fact that someone in this situation, and he's not out of the legal woods, he yeah. still faces the Georgia um, grand jury on whether he obstructed or tried to basically overturn an elected election result. He still has the uh, classified document situation. He's still got a fraud case he's facing. He's still got a lot of legal challenges. Okay, we continue to follow that one. Let's finish up here with uh, the Royal BC Museum. And you remember that hey. they shut down a, a large part of the museum Old there. Old Town. Old Town largely to decolonize the museum, as they said at the time. Well, Tourism Minister Lana Poffman announced yesterday it's reopening. Most of it is reopening. Uh, and the rest of it that's not opening will open in the fall. So this is a big win for Tourism Minister Lana Poffman. Let's listen to what she had to say about it this morning. Here she is speaking with Simi Sarah. Old Town is, has been one of the go-to things to do uh, for people with young kids, for people with, who are bringing visitors into town. And I have received hundreds and hundreds, I might even be getting close to a thousand emails about reopening Old Town. People really wanted to see it. Okay, it's like a recreation of um, of, of an old, old sort of old pioneer town. Pioneer so you've got, town, you got a yeah. saloon, you got a hotel, you've right. got um, the old Chinatown. Right. Uh, and again, Lana Poffin was facing off with a, a new CEO of the museum who very much was one of these decolonize the museum and close everything down. And Popham took her on and has won, basically, uh, with, I think, the backing of Carol James, former NDP leader who's, and finance minister who's on the board of the museum. Um, she also scored a victory this week in reopening Point Ellis, which is another old frontier so house. So, is this another example of an NDP politician of action cleaning up their own <laughs> cleaning up their own messes? Yeah, well, this was a self-inflicted mess well, from yeah. her predecessor. It wasn't yeah. wasn't Popham, but it was her predecessor who announced out of the blue yeah. the museum was closing and a billion dollar replacement was going to be built, which is okay. outraged everyone. Still don't know what's going to happen with the redevelopment. That seems to be a bit murky, but the good news is Popham is right. My kids, your kids, grew up. Sure. Oh, my kids loved it when they yeah. were little, yeah. It was the biggest child care center in Victoria. Yeah. <laughs> right? You get a family membership, drop the kids off at Old Town. For the yeah. Day. Uh, and they just run around. So yeah. uh, it's glad that it's opening. So kudos to Papa. Okay, real quickly, there's a fundraising event at the Legislature. Are you going to yeah. get hit in the face with a pie or something? What is this? Oh, more than one. So oh. MLAs are paying, I think, 100 bucks for a pie to pie me. Richard Zussman, Vaughn Palmer, Vancouver Center reporter Katie DeRosa, and Rob Shaw from from Czech, who's uh, was the idea for this. So this is a fundraiser for the Tour de Cure ride, bicycle oh, yeah. ride. So Lena Robinson is sort of spearheading this. The post secondary uh, education uh, minister uh, elicited the the alliance of Shaw, who came up with the idea for the five of us to get um, to get. Pies thrown at us literally two hours from now in the back steps of the B.C. legislature uh, during beef days, which is the biggest day at the ledge, which is a backyard barbecue from the House of Q and the B.C. Cattlemen's Association, which about 100 people line up to get uh, barbecued beef sandwiches. And they also get to watch me and my colleagues get hit in the face with pie after pie after pie. What an awesome day that is shaping <laughs> At least they've given us a smock to wear, but I brought a change of clothing. Okay. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. 
That's shopify.com slash system. It's Baldry's Beat. Let's go right to your phone calls. Al and Coquitlam. Hi, Al. Go ahead. Yeah, hi, good. <coughs> Excuse me. Hi, good morning, guys. You know, I think there's a lot of politicians I'd like to throw pies at. Keith, do you get yeah. that opportunity afterwards or not? No, it's only you, you, you get pied, but well, you don't get to throw pies. Yeah, he raises a good point. Maybe we'll be able to turn the table. No, but they, they're paying money. Uh, to do this for a charitable uh, cause. How much? Is, how much does it cost to throw a pie? I think it's hundred dollars a pie. Hundred bucks. I think, I think it's something like that. And it, it started out slow, but yesterday I had a whole bunch of MLAs saying, "I got a pie. I bought a pie." So, <laughs> are they real pies or are they like shaving cream pies? Uh, it's either shaving cream or whipping cream. Wh- okay. Well, I hope it's whipping cream. For and I hope sake. it's not a hard shell. I hope I don't show up <laughs> on the news hour tonight with a couple black eyes. Yeah. Well, you never know. Daryl and Coquitlam. Hi, Daryl. Go ahead. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Uh, My daughter lives in Florida, and I spend a lot of time there. And when it comes to Donald Trump, the Republican Party that Donald Trump controls, that is not the party of Ronald Reagan. It's not not, uh, the party of Mitt Romney. Those people don't exist anymore. It's like a commentator said, if... Peter Lougheed was alive today, he would not recognize the UCP in in Alberta. Mm-hmm. In the same nationally, Polyev's Conservative Party in Ottawa has absolutely nothing to do with somebody like, like uh, Brian Mulroney. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's why Trump has a stranglehold on the Republican Party and may very well get the nomination. Yeah, those are all good points. Uh, this is not Ronald Reagan's party. It's not Richard Nixon's party. Uh, Richard Nixon would be considered a fairly uh, lefty liberal compared to Donald Trump. And the Republican <laughs> Party has lurched to the right significantly. The Alberta Conservative Party has lurched to the right. Sure. The federal Conservative Party has lurched to the right. Uh, these are no longer just center-right parties. They're fairly right-wing parties. And yeah. it's, uh, it's, again, it's, a, it's a, something that's happened not just in one jurisdiction. It's right across the board. Do you think the, the Democrats and Joe Biden want Trump to win the nomination? You know, Do you think they want to I've, run against him? I've heard arguments on you know CNN, the panels and, and stuff. That is one theory, that Trump's easier to beat now that he's wounded a bit yeah. than he was the last time when he didn't have a track record. Right. He just sort of said some offensive things. Right. Now he's, got, he's facing criminal sanctions, and uh, that may be a different opponent for Joe Biden than uh, Hillary Clinton. Yeah, I wonder if they're thinking, okay, you know, and they, Ron DeSantis, and he's already beat him once. So. And Ron DeSantis is no center liberal here. I mean, yeah. he's a fairly right-wing guy himself. And I, I thought DeSantis looked like a lock early on here. Yeah, but, uh, but uh, there's been poll after poll in a couple of key states which shows Trump's has a double-digit yeah. lead over him. He's not resonating with the voters. Yeah. Derek in Port Coquitlam. Hi, Derek. Go ahead. Yeah, hi there. Uh, just regarding uh, Trump being the uh, nominee, I would say, uh, you know, I agree with the previous comment there as well. Uh, it might be the good thing because, uh, you know, you basically got two teams down there. And you know how fanatical people are, are about their teams. And, uh, you know, there's there's that too. I mean, how bad does it got to get for, uh, you know, a Republican to vote Democrat? Uh, when, you know, his great-great-grandparents voted for Republicans or whatever. Well, and- well, if you if you go back to the last... We just, sorry to cut you off, but we're just going less than a minute here. Uh, if you go back to the last election, there were a lot of people, obviously, who voted for Trump 
that switched and voted for Biden. Like they just mm-hmm. couldn't stomach Trump again. Yeah. And now you've got all these these new developments that makes Trump even more unsavory, I would I would argue. So a lot of those people, they're not going to go back to the Republican no, Party. No, and the other thing that's driving public opinion down there is the Supreme Court's decision on Roe v. Wade. When yeah. you've got two-thirds of the population oppose that ruling and, and Trump supports it, uh, that's, again, problematic for the Republicans. So that's it. that's the backdrop of, of the election. Roe v. Wade and the Supreme Court decision seems to be galvanizing public opinion in a way that hasn't we haven't seen before. Okay, real quickly on the Atira story, and the government has quickly made it quite clear they want that CEO to be, mm-hmm. to be removed, right? Now, like you said, it's like a standoff yeah. between the society and the government. Can the government do something to force her out? Well, I guess by, by just refusing to fund any more projects, yeah. that would put pressure on the company. And that would, you know, the board of directors has a duty to ensure the company have a fiduciary duty to ensure the company remains strong. If it cannot remain strong with that CEO, they'll likely act. Keith, thanks a lot.